Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. What, what, what do they say in Letterkenny? Is it a, uh, does a duck with a boner drag weeds? Is that where I heard that? Does a duck with a boner drag weeds? Okay. All right. Well, because uh, I, I think I'm going to have to name this episode Dragging Weeds. Because why do ducks in cartoons never wear pants? The idea of a spiral duck dick all on display in these cartoons is crazy. I mean, ducks are inherently funny creatures, mostly because of their weird dicks. But I am not sure it's a good idea of, to be letting kids watch ducks with no pants on even if they don't draw the dick or the duck isn't aroused. It's absurd enough that animals are wearing clothes at all in cartoons, but are you telling me that they don't feel enough shame to cover their goofy-looking genitals? I mean, my childhood was scarred once I learned about duck dicks. Donald was my homie. He dressed like a sailor, no one could understand what he was saying, and he'd get pissed all the time. Now think of Donald Duck jumping around in the throes of one of those temper tantrums with a big twisted duck penis flopping around. It'd be hysterical and would probably just piss off Donald more. Next thing you know, you're in a fist fight with a duck with a spiral Slim Jim pressing against your knee. How how tall do you think Donald Duck is? You've got to be pretty tall to be in the Navy. Um, And why can Goofy talk and Pluto can't? Is Goofy a mutant? Mutant dog? Because, I mean, there's more than one Goofy-type character. Lots of mutant dogs. So maybe Pluto's a mutant. I don't know. I mean, I never really understood the appeal of the mice. I mean, mice are pests. You know, ducks generally avoid us and vice versa. And dogs are man's best friend. But mice? Mickey and Minnie should have died in a glue trap. Even Porky Pig makes more sense than mice. You think Porky Pig stinks? What do you suppose his bathroom looks like? Anyway, welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, The Madman. Uh, I want to remind you that I have a Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would appreciate it. Or if you just want to send me a one-time cash payment, you can use the cash app. Use the cash tag, Shock Monkey Radio. Drop me a note, or you can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com. Thank you, EK. <laughs> I would appreciate it. And, you know, if, you, if you're interested in doing your own podcast type of thing, I'd take, I would advise you to go, go and take a look at fxbgpublicradio.com. You yourself can become a podcaster, YouTuber, just like me. And, you know, you, odds are you probably be more successful. <laughs> so that being said, I want to remind you I also have books available on Amazon.com. Uh, search for the author Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. I was looking for a file for you. EK a little while ago. I couldn't find it. I got a big directory full of images. When you become a YouTuber and stuff like podcaster, you use a lot of, lot of uh, images. And so you got this big database, database of images. So I want to remind you about all that before we get into the rest of the show. I, I hope you had a nice 4th of July weekend, because I sure did. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not react well to bug bites. A couple of horseflies got me. Man, they hurt. Now, I know why they 
I know that they're called horse flies because they love biting horses, but I prefer to think it's because they bite as hard as a horse. And horses are evil, just so we're clear about where I stand on horses. They're evil. Anyway, the horse flies were not the worst. I got bit by something on my right hand, and I swelled up a bit. You know, a little bit of antihistamines, and it was you know pretty much a non-issue. But it all reminded me about how uh, bug bites are like my weakness. <laughs> uh, when I was maybe like 12 or 13, uh, a spider bit me on my stomach, and I had this big, giant red oval appear at the bite site. And uh, again, antihistamines saved my life, so to speak. And... Um, uh, when I went to Puerto Rico, I got tore up by mosquitoes the first night I was there. And uh, they basically only sucked on my forearms. And I swelled up to the point that I looked like Popeye. It was crazy. But and antihistamines, antihistamines saved me once again. So God bless his antihistamines is what I'm saying. And God bless America while he's at it. You know what? I don't want to get off on a rant here. But all you people saying that the national anthem is racist or the American flag is racist, you can go straight to hell. Francis Scott Key may not have been the best poet, but that's our national anthem. And even if you want to read into the third verse of the anthem subjectively and you pull out racism, that's on you. If you actually knew the history and understood why the War of 1812 happened, you'd know that American sailors were being forced into service by the British Royal Navy. It was called impressment. And that was the American citizens and that was American citizens being forced to work on British ships. And that's the servants and the quote-unquote slavery that you see in the lyrics of the Star-Spangled Banner. All of history and all of reality does not have to revolve around you or your skin color. And all races have been enslaved at some point in history. But you don't hear me whining about the Romans and how they likely enslaved some of my ancestors. I demand the Vatican pays me reparations. No, I am not doing that because I am not a stupid, whiny bitch. You know who I'm talking about, right? I've been putting off talking about this because it just makes me so freaking angry that I want to kick her ass, but I'd probably lose. I will not say her name because attention is what she wants. But you know who I'm talking about. The third place qualifier in women's hammer throwing. She threw a temper tantrum because she lost to two white women and then the Star Spangled Banner played and then suddenly she found it racist. And if you listen to her speak about this, and she has been on the news, for some reason the news is covering this, but you'll quickly, quickly see that she is a frickin' moron, like super dumb. And usually there's nothing wrong with being dumb, unless you are self-involved and a crybaby. You, young lady, are the racist. You found yourself standing on the lowest podium thinking you should be on the tallest, so you decided to disrespect our nation and yourself. I would kick her off the team at the very least, and a patriot in me wants to, wants to take her out back and put a bullet in her head for treason. How the hell did you qualify for the Olympics in such a racist nation? How are you allowed to exercise your First Amendment rights in a nation chock full of racism? Grow the fuck up. And the flag, the flag is not racist, idiots. You just see the Republicans flying them so that, and, and because they also have a Trump flag nearby, hopefully below, the American, you think, uh, 
the American flag and you think flags are racist when neither are. The Trump flag and the American flag, you think they're both racist and neither of them are. Republicans just care about the flag more than you. It's like Michelle Obama saying all this for a flag. Absolutely, you traitorous bitch. I know you liberals are just think that the stars and stripes are something for you to burn. But conservatives such as myself have given to this nation that we love. That flag has led the way into every American conflict, and soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines have all rallied under that flag. I am talking about people who bled and died for what that flag represents. Yes, materially, it's just fabric. But to the men and women who served, it is the ideal that which, which that flag represents. That we, that's the reason why we treat it with such respect. We treat it with respect the way that we treat our beloved nation. This is the finest country that has ever existed on planet Earth, and if you don't believe that or understand what that means, I suggest you try living anywhere else in the world. I lost my place. I was so mad. <laughs> anywhere else in the world. And if you look around America in the 21st century and see racism, that can only mean that you see that the racism in, is in your eyes, in your brain. It exists only in your perceptions, and you need to deal with that. So quit trying to make the racism that lives in you everyone else's problem. Sorry about the ranting. It just infuriates me that all these narcissists narcissist assholes keep making up the making the news and i just want to beat them to death dressed like thomas jefferson or captain america now that's just my opinion and i could be wrong as dennis miller might say <laughs> so uh bill and ted face the music is awful right we're all in agreement that's awful all right, so the first scene, Bill and Ted's kids are suddenly female. Huh. And Bill and Ted are impotent, nobody, musicians. The second scene is couples therapy. Obviously, a woman mangled this script. The ghost of a George Carlin. Bad taste. And when you go to the future, all the future leaders, their council members, they're all women. <laughs> women don't rock. They don't even understand Rush. Well, I'm, heart rocks, obviously. And Joan Jett can rock. I mean, there are exceptions to everything. Anyway, and the real motivations of the characters is to save their marriage. Whatever. Some fucking bitter divorcees write, write this kind of shit. And so it, it, it occurs to me that there are suddenly female kids go around time and collect samples throughout history to actually save reality. Get out of town. What the hell are you doing? <clears throat> a woman with a tin ear wiped her ass with this script. And the idea that Dave fucking Grohl is significant to, to any time traveler defies all logic. Courtney Love is more important to time. And even, that even conforms to your feminist narrative. All right, Hendrix versus Mozart, that was worth seeing. I, I, will, I will say that was worth seeing. 
Oh, by the way, who is Kid Cuddy? Who the hell is that? Why does anyone in time? I'd rather I'd rather like to know more about the Faith No More Theological Center. <laughs> Back when the movies were good. Anyway, so and there's like no sympathy for Dennis. For, you know, nobody likes Dennis, and I'm real upset about that. It really makes me mad. I really, I like Dennis. I like Dennis right away. And there seems like there's nobody has sympathy for Dennis. And so, of course, they all go to hell, which I guess makes sense. As much sense as the last one and the ending of the last one, which is totally ignored now. Uh, I will be honest, there's one hilariously funny moment, well-written, incredibly brilliant, and it was Ted talking to old dying Ted. And young, old, old Ted says, I feel like I never really knew you, Ted. They said back, well, that's my fault, Ted. I never really opened up myself to you. The truth is, I looked at you and saw myself. (laughs) I'll tell you what. That is so Ted. That is so Ted all over. He's <laughs> having a conversation with himself. It's like, I didn't really know you, bro. <laughs> it's, it's the Socratic methods. It's the Socrates thing. It's the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. So there are repeating themes. All right. Probably the funniest line in the movie. It sums up the humor of Bill and Ted theme and the Socrate method. Anyway, the only, uh, yeah, I already said all that. <laughs> like sands through the hourglass or the days of our lives. All we are is dust in the wind, dude. So I guess you have to play the big hits in a sequel. The tough pill the women have to swallow in this film is that women have to deal with the fact that males have best friends and therefore they do not rule the way their men think. Bill and Ted, big and small, are reduced to DJs trying to save reality with a mashup. And when it comes to show me what you got, show me what you got, (laughs) when it comes to show me what you got, God gave rock and roll to you from the end of the last film is a a better example. 25 or 6 to 4 is a better example of what humanity's got. Put a little love in your heart is a better example of, are, these are all better examples of songs that can unite humanity. The soundtrack of this film is insulting. Bill and Ted face the music five of 13 stars. I want to breed this bitch with School of Rock or at least the Anne Hathaway's performance in Les Miserables so we could at least get something useful out of this god-awful movie. Getting hot, getting hot in the studio. Summer days. Is it is it too soon to say Prince was overrated? I don't care. I'm going to say all this anyway. Prince is the Cinemax of music. It's softcore porn music mostly. Now, obviously, Prince had talent. But you'd be surprised how motivated a tiny guy from Lando Lakes country would be when it comes to getting laid. 
That, at least, explains the sexual undertones. Overtones, really. But have you heard that song, Purple Rain? Oh, God, it's so bad. It's the worst song that Prince ever did. And how about Delirious? That's an awful song. Or The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. Or Thieves in the Temple. Prince did some really shitty songs. However, he also writes some really awesome songs like Kiss, When Doves Cry, Raspberry Beret, Sexy Motherfucker, Let's Go Crazy. And as long as a musician can make some real good jams and some mediocre ones, you're still a relevant artist. Even Queen did some shitty songs, and maybe I should do a top 10 worst Queen songs next week. Anyway, now I am not saying that Prince did not deserve his fame and fortune. Of course he did. But when was the last real good Prince song? You remember. Seven is the last one that comes to my mind. And that was what, 1992? Oh, seven, we'll watch them fall. Ching, ching. He used finger symbols in a song. That clever little guy. He was tiny. Yes. Excellent, incredibly talented. Anyway, and that was 1992, seven. So, I mean, if you're into, like, late Prince, it's time to move on to another artist. I mean, obviously you cannot omit Prince from the anthology of music that rocks, but, but Prince is here, you know what I'm saying? And right below him, That's the Beatles, another vastly overrated band. And then just below them is Kiss. But but what I mean is that, like, Queen, Zeppelin, the Stones, the Guess Who, you know, the Who, they're all up here. You know, Prince is down here with, you know, Kiss, and (laughs) let me think of another example. Somebody at Prince's level. Leonard Cohen, which is a shame. Anyway, he's been dead for what, four, five, four years now, five years, 2016, I think, he passed on to the big purple spoon in the sky. Hello, Eddie Murphy, I'm a big fan of your comedy movies. (laughs) Chappelle playing Prince in the Chappelle show, that was epic, boy, those are some good memories. All right, I got one more thing to talk about, and uh, EK was so excited. It's like, and I just have to say that, you know, the way I titled this, it's going to be freeform. The way I titled this is just, it's the big, it's the hook. All right, and here's the hook of what I want to talk about next. I slapped junk, junkyard dog's ass when I was a kid. And, and it's dot, 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 and so I'm doing this freeform. And so I, uh, EK is like almost immediately calls me up. Is like, well, so something jumped up, jumped out at me. And I was like, well, EK, that's how you write a hook. That's how you write a hook. It's like, what in the world does the madman have to say about slapping junkyard dog's ass when he was a kid? Well, I remember way back when it was the halcyon days of my youth. We're talking about 1985, 1986, 1987, somewhere around there. Don't remember exactly. Um, and I lived in upstate New York, Lake Placid, New York, and like all poor white trash, uh, all my friends, uh, liked wrestling. One of them had the ring and a couple of those little rubber dolls that you throw at each other and like, oh, they never move, but they're still wrestling, you know? Uh, 
you know, we all had a couple of those. You know, it was, uh, didn't really like it. It's just what my friends were playing with, you know, and stuff like that. But I kind of got into wrestling. And so, like, 86, 87, I guess I was, like, eight or nine years old or seven or eight, seven to nine, somewhere in that range. And um, there was going to be a WWF exhibition in Lake Placid because they had event centers, and that's not World Wildlife Foundation. That was WWF, and it was WWF back then. And so they're, they're coming up, and uh, Lake Placid, you know, had the Olympics there in 80 and uh, 32. And so they had these exhibition centers. So they had, you know, you can have big acts up there. They had, like, uh, Bill Cosby came up there. Um, Tina Turner was up there, and uh, WWF came. Um, but it wasn't, like, a full contingent of, like, headliners or anything like that. In fact, the headliner was Junkyard Dog, you know. And it was, it was the only headliner. And Junkyard Dog came down to my little crap, uh, up to my little crappy town, because it's up in the mountains. And he was a headliner, so that means it was the last, last uh, match of the night. It was Junkyard Dog. And, um, and I was a fan of Junkyard Dog. I, I liked him. I, uh, I, I, re- I really did. I thought it was a great wrestling name. It, sound, it sounds terrifying and vicious. Vicious Junkyard Dog. School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> Living raw. Anyway, Junkyard Dog came to my town, and it's funny, my dad told me later uh, when I was an adult, it was like, yeah, I was scared. He was like, I was scared the whole time. There was like fights breaking out and <laughs> drunk rednecks in the 80s watching wrestling. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's, um, but me, I didn't notice at all. I was focused on the, on the action in the ring. <laughs> you know, and so, uh, you know, my daddy, he was, he was worried. He was, thought he might have scoop me up and run out of there at any moment. But I was having a blast, and so Junkyard Dog, does his, he's about to come in the ring, and I asked my dad, I say, hey, Dad, can I go down there and see if I can get a high five from, from Junkyard Dog? And he's like, yeah, sure, you know, just be careful. So I went on down to the, the railing, this, this cordoned-off area where uh, Junkyard Dog was going to be running down, and he starts coming out, and I get up, I five, you know, squeeze my way into the side of the fence, and there's all these people throwing their hands out, throwing their hands out, trying to get a high-five from Junkyard Dog, and Junkyard Dog is just walking down there in his white shorts, and he's, he's freaking huge, and he's slapping people's hands, and I'm just begging. It's like, there's so many hands out there, he's not going to pick my hand. He's not going to pick my hand. Pick my hand, Junkyard Dog. Pick my hand to slap my hand. He doesn't slap my hand. So I just reach out, and it's like, I want to touch Junkyard Dog, the biggest celebrity I ever heard of in my life at that point. And all I swiped down, I swiped down, and I slapped his ass. And I've been living with the guilt of that ever since. I don't know what to think of it. I don't know what he must have thought of that. He's like, that weird-ass kid just had to touch my ass. So Junkyard Dog, if you ever watch, I'm sorry, I don't even know if he's alive or dead. Because, I mean, he must have been close to 30 in 85, 86, that area. So he's probably up there. Oh, can you picture Junkyard Dog in a nursing home? That's sad. Or like with Alzheimer's, he won't rem- He wouldn't remember me slapping his ass if he had Alzheimer's. That, I guess that's the bright point for me. But you know, it, it, it's funny. It's not like I was think. I was sitting there thinking. You know, I'm eight or nine years old. I don't know anything about sexuality or anything like that. I just wanted to touch a hero. You know, he was the closest thing, living thing to a superhero. You know, and. Uh, and I just, I just, I wanted to touch a celebrity, a hero. And, uh, you know, he 
pass me over because there's so many hands and you know you got you got a you got time you got a time limit you want to get home and you're you're working I get it <laughs> so <laughs> so you can't slap every hand you can't you know, every kid that you you know you want to uh, that supports you you can't say hi to them all so I just want to apologize to Junkyard Dog for slapping his ass but you know I was a, I was a dumbass kid so that's the story of me slapping Junkyard Dog's ass when I was a kid. Oh, now I, I want to get real drunk. I'll do that later. Because I still got to get through the news worth knowing. Oh, I gave EK no warning. He's spilling drinks. <laughs> He's got it. He's got it. <laughs> Tropical Storm Elsa has time to strengthen before reaching Florida. Prepare, my friends. Prepare. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tropical Storm Elsa has moved over Cuba and now into the warm waters of Fl the Florida Straits. The hot waters. The system has time to strengthen a bit as it parallels the west coast of Florida in the next 24 hours before making landfall north of Tampa on Wednesday morning. The latest National Hurricane Center advisory has upped Elsa's winds to 70 miles per hour before moving inland, which is just shy of a hurricane, 74 miles an hour. So now there's a hurricane watch issued for Florida's West Central and Big Bend Coast. Tropical storm warnings are still in effect from the Florida Keys to the Big Bend Coast, while uh, tropical storm conditions will likely continue across the Keys through Tuesday night. Once Elsa makes landfall, it will weaken. However, heavy rain and wind and the risk of tropical tornadoes will continue. A general three to five inches of rain will fall across Florida and the south. Uh, and the southeast coast <clears throat> with isolated amounts over eight inches, especially across the Keys, southwestern and western Florida, where localized flooding is possible. A few, a few brief tornadoes and also possible, uh, are also possible Tuesday across the Florida peninsula. Uh, meanwhile, disastrous heat waves continues in the west, and excessive heat warnings are in effect for the parts of the Great Basin and, and uh, <laughs> desert southwest. So it's hot. It's hot all over the country. I mentioned this last week. You know, by all means, you know, heat exhaustion. You don't want to be barfing at the baseball game. All right. Like some people. <laughs> and so, um, and if you, if you live in the path of these storms, like I, I mentioned, you know, uh, no, I didn't. I was like, I also lived in, Br in Brunswick, Georgia, and we had to deal with hurricanes like coming through or watches coming through. And I was lucky. It's like ne one never came through where I lived, but, uh, you know, we frequently have these, like every summer, hurricane watches, you know, storm watches, and stuff like that. And it's, you know, you got to prepare. You got to prepare. I want you to be safe, Americans. I want you to be safe. You know, there's not a whole lot that uh, Ron DeSantis could do about this. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I don't know. Florida's Florida's a, a state that sees this <laughs> uh, kind of stuff a lot frequently see see these storms it's just the nature of being that peninsula in the caribbean you know and so it's um yeah it's like they're kind of getting real good at like uh, fema you know federal emergency management and stuff like that all these emergency management management agencies they get really good down there i mean they're they're probably a lot better than like north dakota's emergency management people you know 
because you know, there's more frequent, <laughs> more frequent storms and stuff. So if you live down there in the south, be careful. You know, tape up your windows, whatever you got to do. It's like uh, get those comic books up off the floor, up high. <laughs> that's that's what always concerns me when it comes to like uh, uh, flooding and stuff like that. Um, when I when I lived in Georgia, you know, I had some comic books. I made I I couldn't. I had this bookshelf that uh, it was like five five feet tall. And I tried to fit all of my comic books on top of that when we uh, we had to evacuate George, uh, Brunswick, go to Savannah. <clears throat> wow, memories. So be careful if you are in the path of that storm. It's no joke. It's no joke. I mean, that's why the Florida man exists, because this stuff happens all the time in Florida. And uh, there's crazy people. There's crazy people. They have to be crazy people because there's like <clears throat> alligators and <laughs> You ever seen an alligator snapping turtle? Those things are huge and dangerous. <laughs> There's bugs so big they'll have, you know they'll put a mask on and like pull a knife on you. They're huge. Anyway, crazy land, Florida, <laughs> crazy world. <clears throat> so um, Ben Shapiro and I think that this is the funniest news story of the day. Nicole Hannah Jones declines UNC tenure. Accuses the College of Racism, quote, just not something I want want anymore. That's a quote from her. Left-wing journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones announced Tuesday that she has turned down the offer of tenure at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and suggested racism played a role in UNC's dragging its feet on her future at the school. She will instead be the inaugural night chair in race and reporting at Howard University, she told CBS This Morning anchor Gail King. UNC had initially denied Hannah Jones's tenure following backlash to her signature work, the 1619 Project, which examines the long-term consequences of slavery in America. Though it won a Pulitzer Prize, it has been criticized by historians for inaccuracies, and Republican lawmakers have opposed the Biden administration's effort to incorporate Jones's work into its education agenda. She said last month that she would not be, uh, not become a faculty me- at, member at UNC unless she was guaranteed tenure. The faculty later voted 9-4 in her favor. Hannah Jones said on CBS this morning, it was a tough decision, but one she felt she had to make because of what it took to get there. Jeez, Louise lady. Hannah Jones suggested that the color of her skin had something to do with the faculty's decision, considering the history of tenure at the institution. Quote, because look what it took to get tenure, she said. This, is <laughs> this was a position that since the 1980s came with tenure. The night chairs were design, uh, designed for pro- professional journalists when working in the field to come, to an, come into academia. Every other chair before me, who also happened to be white, received that position with tenure. To only have that vote occur in the last possible day, at the last possible moment, after threat of legal action, after weeks of protest, after it became a national scandal, it's just not something I want anymore, she added. The 1690 Project and Critical Race Theory had become controversial initiatives that have concerned parents and tried to keep, uh, that concerned parents have tried to keep out of U.S. schools, with many speaking out at local school board meetings. Several states have introduced legislation to ban teaching of critical race theory. So, <laughs> you know, they move heaven and earth for this lady. And then she's at, you know, at the end of it, she's still, no, I don't want it. You know, you don't deserve it. And, and 
uh, or you don't deserve me kind of thing. It's like, I, I shouldn't become, because, I mean, it should automatically come with tenure. You know, you haven't done anything. You know, there is no racism in America. And so even moderately successful people are, are just, uh, you know, threatening their way into better positions. And this is ridiculous. And you know what? I'm not, it's not a good thing that she's going to speak at any, uh, any university. I mean, Howard University, I mean, it's still a university, for God's sakes. All right? I don't want her teaching anywhere. Anyway, I feel like I got the rant out early. So <laughs> there's plenty more I can say about that, about people who think that this, uh, uh, this country is racist. Look how far you got. And you, you whine racism because they didn't give you tenure fast enough? Get over yourself. Anyway, let's go on to this next story. Massachusetts militiamen uh, uh, to appear in court over hours-long armed interstate standoff incident. Ten of the 11 militiamen arrested by Massachusetts State Police following a nine-hour-long armed standoff that shut down a portion of Interstate 95 over the holiday weekend will be arraigned today. The alleged militiamen, who authorities say are members of the Rise of the Moors group, which adheres to Moorish sovereign ideology. Each has been charged with eight counts of unlawful possession of a firearm, unlawful possession of ammunition, use of body armor and commission of a crime, uh, possession of a high-capacity magazine, improper storage of a firearm in a vehicle, and a conspiracy and conspiracy to commit a crime. I, I just want to go over the use of body armor and the commission of a crime. So if you... If you're speeding, say, and you're wearing a ballistic vest, if you're speeding, if you're going like 80 at a 65, and you're wearing a ballistic vest, will they tack that on there? I don't know. That seems like a weird, weird law. <laughs> I don't know. I might have to read more into what, what, what exactly that means. Anyway, five men will be arraigned individually Tuesday morning in Malden District Court in Medford, Massachusetts while another five will appear separately for their arraignment hearings this, this afternoon, Fox has learned. None of the men who were, dressed, uh, who were dressed in military fatigues and body armor and were armed with long guns and pistols had a license to carry firearms in Massachusetts. That's it right there. Y'all are going to prison. The standoff began early Saturday when a Massachusetts State Police trooper uh, stopped to offer assistance to two vehicles he found with their hazards on about 1.30 a.m., on the side of the highway in the town of Wakefield. Police later said the vehicles were refueling. Hmm. The trooper called for backup, and most of the group went into the nearby woods until they surrendered to a police tactical team just after 10 a.m. The standoff closed Interstate 95 in an area uh, during a busy holiday weekend with some area residents were told to shelter in place. The group told police that they were traveling from Rhode Island to Maine to conduct a training, conduct training, quote-unquote. Troopers recovered three AR-15 rifles, two pistols, a bolt-action rifle, a shotgun, and a short-barrel rifle. Massachusetts State Police said in a statement on Saturday that, quote, additional charges are possible if the ongoing investigation, including the expected search of the defendant's two vehicles, determines they are warranted. During the standoff, one member of the group broadcast on social media account for the group Rise of the Moors that they were not anti-government or anti-police. 
The website for the group says that the more they are Moorish Americans dedicated to educating new Moors and influencing our elders. In the video of the standoff reposted to the Rise of the Moors YouTube channel, the self-proclaimed leader Rise of the Moors uh, group, Jamal Latimer, also known as Talib Abdullah Bey, is heard telling law enforcement, quote, we do not intend to be hostile. We do not intend to be aggressive. We are not anti-government. We are not anti-police. We are sovereign citizens, and we are not black identity extremists. Huh. Latimer claims to have a treaty with, quote, your government and displays the rise of the Moors flag. He claims that his militia is not violating any federal laws and wants to continue on their peaceful journey. The group's Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram accounts have been temporarily taken off line early Sunday, the Boston Herald reported. They list the names. I'm, I'm not going to bother reading the names. It's, uh, I don't think it's relevant to us. The people, the people who are going to be drafting up the, the lawsuits, and they need to know them. You don't. I don't think it's good to put criminals' names out there. Anyway, uh, New York authorities have not named. There is a 17-year-old male. They have not named because they also arrested them with two additional males and that, that so far have refused to identify themselves. 17 was released to his parental custody. Oh, you know his mom's going to tear his ass up. While the remaining adult defendants were held in the House of Correction with a $100,000 cash bail before Tuesday's court appearance. Um, and there's like, like there's like four of them that gave a false name to the police, so they're getting charged with that as well. Jeez Louise. You know, it's... You, you have the right to the Second Amendment. You have every right to the Second Amendment. But you need to be registered in the state that you're in. You know? And if you're going to training, if you're going across state lines with, with weapons, in body armor, you know, not only one is that super suspicious, and it's obvious that you are fueling, uh, you brought extra fuel with you so that you could remain, like, in tactical gear. Because you can't stop at a gas station dressed like that and get refill your cars. You know? It's super suspicious. It, it, it's really super suspicious. And I, I'm glad they were caught. I'm glad that there was a, it was resolved peacefully. Because, I mean, it could have it gone a really bad way. All right? Now, I want to I go back to this guy's statement. All right? Where he said, uh. All right. Um, he says we are that they're no, uh, the rise of the Moors are not anti-government or anti-police. They are Moorish Americans dedicated to educating new Moors and influencing the elders. All right. Uh, no, here it is. We do not intend to be hostile. We do not intend to be aggressive. We are not anti-government. We are not anti-police. We are not. Ah, damn it. Where'd it go? We we're. We are not, we are not sovereign citizens, and we are not black identity extremists. That's an interesting and well thought out statement. Because um, they say right off the bat, we do not intend to be hostile, we do not intend to be aggressive, and they were taken peacefully. There was no uh, shooting, thank God. All right, and they're trying to distinguish themselves. And that's what the rest of the statement's about. They're trying to distinguish themselves from any other movement, the rise of the Moors. 
So, I mean, it's suspicious. I mean, it's it's funny. It's like people, <clears throat> a lot of people, they think about, they're scared about all these right-wing militias, and they think it's a bunch of white guys. It's like, you know what? Anyone could buy a gun in this country. It's not that racist. All right? <laughs> and these identitarians, people who want to segregate themselves, like the idea of, like, Moorish people, Moorish descendants, and stuff like that. That stuff, that kind of stuff is ridiculous in the United States. This is a melting pot. Go and melt. Go and melt. It just, it concerns me. It concerns me as much as, you know, white rednecks out in the country stockpiling weapons and their camo gear and stuff like that. They they, They all concern me. Because people, I mean, a lot of people are getting scared. And it's like the rhetoric is just so awful. It's so awful these days that people think it's going to come to a war. And for God's sakes, you and Tim Pool need to quit being so caustic. All right? Relax. You know, people, you know, the people who could fight will be doing the real fighting. Don't worry about it. You know, it... There's no need to take up arms against your fellow American. It's not that bad. It's not that bad in America. You're just being told all sorts of nonsense from the media. All right? I mean, it makes me miss the fairness doctrine. I think the, the, the birth of the Internet, in many ways, has kind of revitalized the need for a fairness doctrine. I mean, I, I, I know it's a, a weird thing to say, but when it's news, it's like when, when you add sensa- sensationalism, to the news, you know, it can become a weapon. It's like a sword in many ways. It's a sword directly into the minds of people. Anyway, that's a stupid metaphor. Anyway, uh, let's go to the next story. All right, Peeping Tom, shot three times by Texas girl's father, is charged. The Peeping Tom, who was shot three times by Texas' father, after allegedly touching himself while peering into a 10-year-old's window has been charged, a report said. Fox 26 Houston reported that Jorge Ramos, 44 years old, has been charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and a decency with a, chi- with a child by exposure. So he must have had a, wep- a gun or a knife on him. The report said that the suspect is still hospitalized after, June tw- uh, after the June 28 incident in northwest Harris County. The report, citing court documents, said the girl alerted her parents about a man after he allegedly tapped on her window while touching himself. Her parents, who were not identified, retrieved their guns and confronted the suspect, report said. They both had guns. (laughs) Uh, Deputy said the girl's mother held the man at gunpoint outside the gas station as the father headed inside to tell the clerk to call 911. But that's when the suspect began wrestling with the woman for her gun. He managed to disarm the woman and pointed her own gun in her direction, but her husband soon raced outside the gas station and fired it at the suspect out of fear he'd shoot his wife. Reasonably. A Fox 26 report said Ramos allegedly tried to pull the trigger on the wife, but the gun was on safety. Smart girl. Ramos was hit by three shots in the torso. He's still alive, too. Wow. Must have been 9 millimeter. The, um, here's the thing. It's like, these these guys are out there, all right. It, it's like it's like that's like the number one reason <laughs> to have a firearm, you know, is because because of people like that. You know, these guys who are like driving to Rhode Island to get you know <laughs> get training, 
You know, it's it's it, that's not why you need those guns. You need those weapons so you know when some guy is is stroking it in front of your daughter's window, and has to be pervy enough to have her looking at him to add to the excitement. That's disgusting. That's disgusting, and you know. Plus, it was a bad decision on this Ramos guy's part to assault, try to take a gun away from a couple who both were armed, who you had just been peeping on your their daughter. They are looking for a reason to shoot you. You are you are lucky. Well, the woman's lucky that she kept it on safety because she probably didn't want to kill a guy over this. They just wanted they just wanted him to face justice. And you know. I don't think you should necessarily kill child predators. I think that there's a possibility for reform. Otherwise, why why have prisons at all? And so, I mean, I, you know, I know a lot of people take like uh, like child sex crimes. They they really get mad at them, and they're like, "Oh, we need." I, I would, you know, child rapists. They need to they need to be executed. And it's like, ah, I don't know about that. You know, I think people can be. I think people can change. I want to believe people can be rehabilitated. But, you know, if you're sitting there, like, peeping on some girl, a <clears throat> 10-year-old girl, and she tells her parents on you, and they both come out armed, why would you even think of trying to take away the gun from the lady? Do your time in prison, man. I'd rather, <laughs> better than getting shot, you know what I mean? Anyway, got two more stories, and then we're going to end the show. And, you know, I like to end it on happier notes. So, uh, Wounded Veteran stands for the national anthem at the NHL game. Quote, if, if I'm able, I will stand. Wounded Marine veteran, Lieutenant Colonel Ty Edwards, managed to stand in respect for the flag during Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final on Wednesday. Edwards, a 20-year vet who was shot and wounded while deployed in Afghanistan, attended the Tampa Bay-Montreal playoff game and stood proudly while using a cane for support. The veteran made a special Independence Day appearance on Fox & Friends weekend Sunday, sharing that it was an honor to be recognized by the Lightning. Quote, I'm just extremely grateful and honored, Edwards told the co-host and fellow veteran Pete Hegseth. Excuse me. Edwards expressed that he can't help but think about the brave men who saved his life on the battlefield when the national anthem plays. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, I, knew, I knew guys who served who took wounds. And uh, imagine being wounded is like it's like really like the worst day of your life. Like, God forbid, you know, you're in a situation, you're fighting your tough soldier and stuff like that. You've been training the whole time. Then all of a sudden, you're in, a, in the worst pain you ever felt in your life, and you need to depend on the people around you. All these guys that you trained with, some guys you made fun of, some guys you were mean to, and stuff like that. And they all turn around and save your life, and. And drag you out, and you're just like Jesus. You know, I'm really fighting with the best people in the world, and you know that's that's what this is all about. Anyway, he went on to say, "I am extremely grateful to them. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them." And so, as the nation continues to publicly snub the anthem by kneeling or turning their backs, Edward says he will push on and stand in appreciation for our other veterans and military personnel. Right there, that's one sentence of editorial. Right there, Fox News calling you out. Quote: "If I am able." I will stand, he said, because I remember those that served together alongside me, served alongside me, who lost their life. And that's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. So Colin Kaepernick could eat a dick, you know, because he doesn't know. He doesn't know what these, what these men have done. 
they have done for each other, you know. And, you know, the the U.S. military was the first integrated part of America, you know, because if you, if you have two thumbs and two legs and, you know, trigger fingers, you're a dangerous person. That's all there is to it, you know. And I trained, worked, lived alongside all sorts of uh, races, all right. And I'll be honest with you, I agreed with I agree with a lot of the minorities. There's a lot of a lot of dorky white guys. There really is. But I I would like to think of myself as one of the cooler white guys. Okay? I, I'm sorry, you know, but you know, you know, our ancestors were in caves. What do you what do you want? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so we got one more happy story, and then we'll get on out of here for this week. Walmart shoppers break into a star spangled banner over the 4th of July weekend in a viral video. One patriotic patron who started singing the Star Spangled Banner at a Walmart store in Haslett, Texas, set off a chain reaction as shoppers joined in over the 4th of July weekend. The clip, shared to TikTok by a user named Raised Right, Raised dot 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 right, shows a store filled with women, men, and children holding their right hands at their hearts and belting out the lyrics to the national anthem, Shopping Carts in Tow. And trying to pick out a, the right cheese for their pizza that night. Uh, quote, a very patriotic scene in Haslett, Texas, Walmart uh, on 7321. <sighs> it irritates me people write dates like that. Uh, someone started singing the national anthem and people joined in. Text overlaying the video uh, read, the, read with, with the caption, God bless Texas and God bless the USA. The TikTok creator wished viewers a happy 4th of July in a video that's been viewed more than 1.1 million times and garnered more than 177,000 likes. Viewers chimed in with a few sweet sentiments in the comments. Quote, proof that there is still hope for our great country, one person commented. Happy 4th of July, America, and to all proud Americans. So I want to remind you about the silent majority. You know, most you know, most people who live in America, they just want to be left alone. You know, and when, and when you know, protest groups start tearing down your, your business, no matter who the protest group is, that's not good. That's not good for anyone. You know, when the government starts stepping in and telling you you need to get a shot or, or whatever, starts telling you to do things, you know, people don't like that. They really don't. They want to go about their lives. They want to go about their business. You know, they don't really care about what's going on in the politics as long as stuff doesn't get too uh, invasive. And that's why it, it, our government has gotten as corrupt to, to the point where it's at right now. You know, it's because so many people are very passive about the way, that, you know, politics works and so forth. You know, they don't, they don't really, care, really care as long as everything seems, stays generally the same. Then you bring out something like Obamacare. Oh, we all have to go to our web, this website government and you get insurance. You know, that that irritates people. You know, when you start having them do stuff, you're forcing them to do stuff. Instead, you have impromptu patriotism just like that. And there's Democrats and Republicans and everywhere in between in that store. I guarantee you, it's a Walmart. All right? And I'm telling you, you know, we can all rally around the idea of America because it isn't as bad as people are saying. It isn't as bad as the media and the and the uh, the people that the media uh, the media darlings of the day. It's not that bad, you know. We get along great. I mean, 
There's a very diverse range of people here at FXBG Public Radio. Go to fxbgpublicradio.com. Check us out. We've got a lot of stuff for you available. Go check it out. And, you know, very di- diverse group of ideas, very uh, di- a diverse group of people. I do a, you know, game night. You know, I do a game night. I'll play, I'll play role-playing games with anyone. I'll roll D20s with anyone. I don't care. When I was in the Navy, you know, I played, you know, like a, a one, one a Korean guy. His family was from, from Korea, like two black guys, uh, a Hispanic guy who was like, uh, he was kind of weird, weird Hispanic guy. And, you know, just in a few white guys who, who like 50% of them were, were weird. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> that's how it is with white people. 50% of them are weird. And so, um. You know, you you learn real quick. Is like as long as you can follow, you know, the game. There's plenty of guys who came around the barracks room who were like, "I don't get your nerd shit. <laughs> Why aren't you out chasing pussy like the rest of us?" <laughs> and that was frequently the complaint. It's like, "Why are you guys in here playing a role playing game when you can go out and chase pussy?" You know how it is. A bunch of sailors. You know. <laughs> anyway, so I want to remind you about my Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would very, very much appreciate that. Also, you can send me cash through the cash app. Use the cash tag ShockMonkeyRadio. There you can send me like a one-time payment. That way, if you don't want to do like a monthly payment, I understand. That makes perfect sense to me. And so, uh, yeah, you can do that. Also, have books available on Amazon.com. Search for the author Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. I got the Exit 13 books. There's three of them. Uh, be sure to read the, read the description so you get them in order. Uh, read them in order. I should say. Those are like 99 cents each, so they're real cheap. Pick those up. I also got the uh, the Bunny Years, a memoir for $4.99. You can download that. It's a fictional story about a superhero. And I also have The Ravings of a Madman, where it's just, you know, me ranting, except in book form <laughs> that you can download on Amazon.com. So, author Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. And so this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman, and I love you.